Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this week we have designer, director, and animator, Andrew Vuko on the show. Andrew and I discuss his recent trip to Japan and how that's been influencing his life and work. We also discuss in how and why Andrew's decided to focus his work on 2D animation only and how he's faced the common issue we all do about being a jack of all trades and a master of none. We also talk about his unique usage of post-it notes and how the arcade game Dance Dance Revolution has influenced his life. So let's begin everyone, episode 166 with Andrew Vuko. Let's roll. For me, like when it comes to doing like podcasts or conversations, I, I think there's a there's a, a there's a really important lesson that I learned from just listening to really great podcasts. Um, one of my bigger influences is obviously like Joe Rogan, and like his approach to conversations and stuff is very much more natural. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate that like honest naturalism to it. And I try not to like I don't share the questions or the topics or anything with the guests that come on because. I don't want you sitting there thinking about them and wondering when I'm going to ask them and all that kind of stuff. So just kind of running off the cuff and seeing how the conversation goes. Some people are really charismatic. Some are, aren't. I have to pull it out of them. So it's just a matter of <laughs> that flow. So, yeah. And yeah. We'll, just, you know, we'll have to see you, you, who you are today. So Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, judge away, man. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think that's what people want to hear. Uh, whether they're listening or not, or maybe it's just uh, a conversation passing by. I think the 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 most interesting people are the ones that present themselves as uh, humans, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, yeah. and aren't just trying to, uh, yeah, I, I guess like prop themselves up as, as something larger because I, I think we're we're all in this together, and everybody shits at the end of the day, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. Do, uh, yeah. every, I, I feel very strongly about that, about, uh, yeah, seeing ourselves all as equals. I think that's a new thing. You know, if you think about it, um, when uh, my parents grew up or like, uh, their parents, you know, they had these representatives of culture, not a lot of news or something, and they had to wear a certain face, you know? Um, mm. and there was this kind of thing that happened. I feel like that there's a return to craft that's happening a lot more than ever in our culture, um, a return to honesty, a return. And that's coming a lot from the communication via the internet. And I think that's one of the positive effects the internet has is it humbles people, makes them more honest, hopefully, <laughs> because it's harder to hide, uh, underneath these things because the internet allows you to access people and, and access your information and, and keep things a little bit more transparent, which I think is good. And I think we, I think we just enjoy more honesty, to be honest. Uh, I, I know I do. Authenticity and honesty is something that I try to infuse in my work too, as much as possible. And I think, I think it represents, uh, kind of something that might be missing in other people's approach and stuff, you know, but yeah, totally. Um, and I, and I feel like if, if you're giving that back to the community, uh, people are going to respond a lot better to that and it's going to feed more people to, to open up in that way. Right. Yes. Because, uh, I felt like when I, was getting into the industry. Uh, when, did that, when was that too, by the way? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, I guess I can talk a little bit about, uh, where I started out just in case people don't know. Yeah. It'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to get, I mean, yes. So, um, I've actually never had any formal training, uh, in design or animation. It, 
basically, I guess the origin point was right around high school when I was messing around in Photoshop with a couple of friends. It was like a bootleg copy. I think a lot of us might have been there or can relate to that at some point. Don't incriminate uh, yourself. I'm oh, sure. yeah. There you go. That yeah. was a long time ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Adobe. Go easy yeah, on yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I, could put, I, I feel like I'm being uh, sniped right now, but uh, I never thought I could actually work in the arts like that, that it was unachievable. So I was just basically doing it uh, as a hobby. What was your trajectory prior to doing art stuff? Oh, to be honest, it, like, so, so the school I went to, the high school was uh, primarily for uh, maths and sciences and business. There was not a really, there, there wasn't a really lot of support for the arts there. So I didn't really have the exposure to think I could do otherwise. Right. Mm. So I was basically during those years, I was like, okay, like, uh, I'm here, I'm going to be potentially going into sciences. It actually ended up being a trajectory towards psychology. And it was around the, like when I was right about to, sorry, when I was about to apply to York University in Toronto, uh, they, they had a quick switch where they were like, oh, psychology isn't available anymore. And I had to make a quick pick a month before and what was available was sociology, which was uh, still human studies to a degree. So I was like, okay, this, this seems like an interesting path. So that's basically what I took in first year university. Uh, but I kind of half took an interest in that. So it was essentially being like undeclared. Mm, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so with being essentially undeclared, I, I took a variety of courses from uh, philosophy to uh, film studies uh, to you name it. Actually, the film studies was basically the only creative course I took. And that's when something really sparked up for me when it was actually when I saw, have you seen bullet before? Uh, with, uh no, uh, bullet. It's with uh, Steve McQueen. It's uh, like, yeah, it's an older Steve McQueen film. I've heard of yeah, it. Yeah. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's basically it, the car chase scene in that. Oh, it's, it's basically the car chase scene that started all car chase scenes. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's if you're uh, a big car guy uh or girl, I then am. I highly recommend yeah, then I'm a I big would car highly girl. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I the best car chase scene I can think of that always comes to mind is Ronin, but yeah, I'll have to watch the oh, Steve yeah. McQueen one cuz I know oh, Steve was the- really big into cars, so Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, with the Fast and the Furious, man. You can't beat <laughs> that. You Not can't a fan of those, but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Teach his own. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so sorry to get back on track. Like, uh, basically, that's what sparked it up, uh, up for me, basically looking into film. And I thought, hey, this is something I, I could potentially do. So. I applied to this crash course in film, which was like a year and a half, very hands-on. And from there, like just to shoot ahead quickly, I I became really interested in editing, which led to inherent desire to jump into After Effects. Mm. I think I picked up like a old Linda book for After Effects 7 or something. Oh man, when you learn off the books, those are great. Yeah, I was... I was just like, oh man. Pre-internet education phase, yeah, before YouTube. (laughs) 
Totally. So, so from there it was kids have it so easy these days. Oh, we get paper cuts in the snow and climbing mountains to get the education we have. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, it was, it was all, all self-taught and, uh, yeah. So so just, uh, uh, for a long, long time, I, I didn't think I could do art and I feel like a lot of people might feel that way. Even people who are in the arts right now also might feel that way. They have imposter syndrome and, and this yeah, and that. I have that too. Yeah, yeah totally. Like I, we I, all I do mean, for pushing hard, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, I think, I think that like, I have it as well. I don't think it's something that ever goes away. I think it's basically something that you learn to deal with. When does it come right? on for you? Like, when does it trigger hard for you? Oh man. Uh, it's, it's not like in any, it, it could be just a particular piece that I watch or uh, design that I scroll past. It's, it's never after like any event. It's just like when I see something that I was like, wow, I should be creating something more like this. Right. Or like something that I just really admire. So I, I feel like because it's random and I can't uh, pinpoint when it happens, it's, I, I like that a lot better <laughs> because then I can't just like numb to the feeling. Does that make sense? Where it's always yeah. like a feeling of like, oh, there's still more work to do. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can but, see uh, how that would work. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to, to keep jumping back, but it's okay. This is how these conversations go. Artistic yeah. types. <laughs> there, there was like, uh, there was a time like a long, long time ago before I started getting into arts and I was walking through a really expensive area in Toronto where I'm from Toronto, Canada with, with my parents, my mom and my dad. And I was walking, yeah, walking through this really expensive streets and the houses are beautiful mansions. And I looked up at them and I was like, Oh, I I would love to live in one of these, but I could never, afford that. Like, I don't even know if I could design yet or if I am going to be a designer. Yeah. And I'll always remember that, uh, my dad simply said, why not? And, <laughs> nice. and, and, and nothing else. Like he didn't say anything else. He was just like, why, why not? And, ke- and kept on walking. And, <laughs> I love your dad. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess that was like, and for him, it might've just been like a small thing. Like sure. I don't get thinking that, but brilliant though. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that was all I needed to hear at that age because I I was already starting to make up excuses on why I couldn't do something before I had even tried to do it, yeah. right? Before I even knew what I was getting into or what the the market was about. So it it was it was never about like making that money to to buy the house. It was more about like the preconceived limitations that I had set and and basically trying to break through those things, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not like I don't own a house right now or anything remotely like that, but sure. it'll come what, though, if you want. Yeah. It. Yeah. Totally. I yeah, call, I, mean, uh, I consider us to be money making machines. My, uh, my grandma once said like, we're printing machines of money if we want, you know, and I it always stuck with me as a young child and I would always think, Oh, okay. That's interesting. If we really want it, we can, you know? So, um, cause the, the, the difference between us and say like a surgeon or difference between us and say, uh, another, uh, um, uh, profession is that we could, if we want it, we can manifest it. We just have to have the, a, the courage inside the willingness to deal with the, the suffering and the failures. And then, and then and on top of that, just being able to put in the work and the discipline to do so, you know, so totally it's, it's about like trying to push forward without, 
any regard for limitations, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and that yeah. you have to be kind of optimistic and go further, you know, into it. So, which I think is a, uh, I think is kind of key. You know, I think it's it's a part of the 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 the, the whole thing. You know, basically, and I think that's um, it's it's mostly just your mindset, really. You know, and how how bad you want it and stuff. So, I would always look at you know um, artists that I felt like were technically better than other artists that I'd seen out there, but they weren't as prolific mm-hmm. or weren't as well known. And I would always wonder, hmm, I wonder what makes the difference between them. And honestly, more for the most part, let's say like Andy Warhol, for example, um, it's just, they're willing to go out there and say they were the best or willing to go out there and, and, and say, yeah, this costs us much money and yeah. why not? And people go, well, how come? And they're like, well, cause I say so. And they're like, okay, well, <laughs> and if you can mm-hmm. find the right people to do that, then you're in, in, in it, you know, so you can manifest it basically. But it's yeah. a very, it's a very unique uh, set of circumstances because most artists are self-deprecating and very, uh, lack of lots of self-esteem, which we'll talk about pitching and stuff a little bit later. Cause I, that, that talk, topic came up with a friend of mine. I'm curious about your view on it too. So, <laughs> Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, actually like that, uh, what you just said kind of reminds me of, uh, a book I read a long time ago, which I guess was a, like another catalyst for me for getting into it. But, uh, you, you've read some of Paul Arden's, uh, books before, uh, what has, has he written? Possibly. It, it, oh, he's read, a, he's written a few, a prominent one. It's called, uh, it's not how good you are. It's how uh, good you want to be. Yeah. I've heard about that book. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's actually it's I it's kind of everywhere like in terms yeah. of like it's it, like even outside of like uh like designs bookshops and stuff like that it's it's pretty out there so it's reached a lot of people and that was something that I had read in the first years that uh, I had gotten into the arts and that that was something that really pushed me because what it is it's essentially a book um, exactly what it's called so it's not how good you are. It's how good you want to be. And it's all about, uh, pushing yourself, uh, past what's expected of you Mm. and what you think you can do. So like if you flip through that book, every page is, uh, a different idea consisting of just two pages. So you can flip to any page on the book and, and read something like a daily, right? Sure. (laughs) Get something out of that. It's a good, it's a good bathroom book essentially. Yeah. I like those. I like those casual reads that kind of give you a little nuggets, kind of like that, like your dad that gave you that, um, that one day, you know, as you're kind of walking along and it's kind of, there's little epiphanies hit you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are some of my favorites. I think there was one buying it right now. (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 He's actually got another another book, which is, uh, it wasn't like as gangbusters as this one, but it's still good. It's called whatever you think do the opposite. Yeah, I see this in the list too. How's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. It, it, it's good. It's worth a read. It's like I think it's like ten bucks or something like that. Oh, they're also <laughs> so cheap. It's crazy how much yeah. these like you know the return on investment you get from these books if you really know how to use them. Oh yeah, um, it's just one quote and yeah. and it defines Boom. like a decade for you, right? It's yeah, it's nuts. It's cool. It's, it's paired with another book I really enjoy and I I bring up a lot as advice from George Lois is a book called Damn Good Advice for People with Talent, which is a fun read. Shit. There's some yeah, good ones I got there. that one, man. Yeah. Oh, that one's so good. <laughs> My buddy Sam always has it on his desk. It's pretty funny. Every time I see him, he's got it on his desk. And I'm like, oh, okay, you're getting that George Lois time in, you know? So, yeah. Do you physically read books or do you um, listen to them audibly, like Audible and stuff? No, I I, I definitely read uh, books. And actually, that's 
kind of uh, part of a bigger conversation, if I can get into it, mm-hmm. is just on, on on how I've been feeling over the past couple of years, where yeah, please do. Mo- mostly about building references and where you get your references and where you get your inspiration. That's good. Let's talk about that. Like like I feel, and and there's nothing wrong with this and I don't want to shit on this because I do it too. Shit as you like. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. But like everybody um, now, and this is going to seem pretty obvious is, is just essentially going through their Pinterest and Behance feeds. Sure. And there's, there's a lot of, there's an oversaturation of, of amazing work that's, that's happening. And I feel that with everybody getting the same eyes, either you're going to be start producing the same work. Yeah. It's the same pool of water. That's what I call it. Watering hole. Yeah, totally. And it's, it's very hard to avoid. And even though like the work is great and it speaks for itself, it, it, it kind of ends there at the, uh, at the end of the day. But what I've been doing over the past couple of years is like, you know what, everybody's, um, zigging i'm gonna zag so basically instead of looking at what's happening in the present and potentially looking into the future in terms of uh the artwork that's available and say like the tutorials that are happening on like how to render this and how to add this texture like that yeah i've been more so looking about what was done in the past that's great. right yeah. so I've just how long been have you been back. at it though because this self-aware mindset doesn't come in until later on uh, totally usually, I, yeah. usually in the beginning you're just you're just consuming everything you can every tutorial biting everybody you can <laughs> you know until like you find your style yeah but it's difficult right so when yeah. did this come about this, this mindset. so this is um i've been at it for about 10 years mm-hmm. and this was maybe in the past three like it was three years ago when i was just like i think i had a number of conversations with uh people who were uh, well into the industry and they're like, Oh, have you read this? And have you read that? And yeah. I was just like, okay, like dun, these dun, are people dun. that, I, yeah, these are people I really admire. So I'm like, okay, like I got to get on this. Hmm. And just the, the approach in, in some of the pieces that I, that I've been reading with some of the artists that I admire have been like phenomenal. Like it's, it, it's basically learning about history and, and history essentially re- rewrites itself, right? <laughs> it does. We're, so. we're creatures of habit and honestly, we're pretty simple creatures and there's a there's a rhythm to uh, what we like and what we don't like and how we react. We're, qu- we're quite simple, rudimentary creatures at the fundamental core of who we are, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like a reproduction, sleeping, uh, you know, there's a couple of things that we all do. We all die, you know, like this common yeah. <laughs> threads and then, and then you just tie them all together. And then you just, I think when you can kind of find that frequency, um, and find out that rhythm and understand like how things, uh, all kind of tie together. It's like how people, I think, understand how to make hit music. They, mm-hmm. they understand how to like, you know, tap into that, whatever you want to call it, that rhythm basically and then mimicking that rhythm to create something new that's really when i think you mastered it well it's kind of scary because then it, it's like you you kind of went through it you know you go, oh you find out the the rhythm of it you know it's yeah. like kind of learning something that you've always thought was magic but then you've discovered the magic trick and, oh it's actually quite simple yeah mm. oh yeah <laughs> understand like, the fabric totally man uh have you i i, I want to ask you like what have you been reading lately that has really kind of picked up Honestly, uh, oh, I, I, to, to answer your question, I, I kind of finished, I went kind of like on a binge of self-help books 
um, when I was developing Learn Squared with the guys and I kind of like binged too hard and then I I went away from it because I felt like I was consuming too much of the, uh, I'm quite like contrasty. So um, the last book I read that was incredibly monumental for me personally, and I'm going to probably reread it again soon, uh, is Mastery by Robert Greene, I think is his last name, Robert Greene. That Green one is that, a... Yeah. That's a book that is just for the ages. It's top five for me. It's incredible. And it's just really good. Um, broken down really well, really well conceived and put together. It's a big book, but it's really great. And that was one of the last ones that I kind of stuck with because when I was growing up, I would constantly think of like um, masters like Da Vinci or something, you know, and I started doing um, his, his next bi- his biography is the next one up on my list. Actually, I'm going to go through his. Then probably back to back to Steve Jobs again, the same writer that goes through and does these amazing. Then he did Einstein, I think too. But oh, I'm, I'm I'm curious because I always considered um, Da Vinci to be a master of his craft, and when I really start doing a lot of studying, I just find that he was just quite a curious person, and didn't mm-hmm. let himself didn't put it bounds around his mind, even though society and everything around him wasn't up to snuff with what he was into. So just being willing to like kind of go out and be curious, and you know. I think the term genius from what I remember reading is like one who's at peace with who they are and like doing as they're intended to, you know? So, Oh shit. I never heard that. That's uh, actually great. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a, that's an adaptation of a version I've read and I, it, mm-hmm. that's more or less like kind of what I took from it. And I think that like from your, your, your Genesis or your genius or like you're, you're coming from like your purity of your essence, like who you are. And you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like when Michael Jackson's doing the moonwalk, like that, his body, his mind, like his energy, his music, (laughs) all those years he came up with that. And it was like (laughs) monumental, you know, like everything from the moonwalk to Gordon Ramsay making a great dish on TV or something, you know, like (laughs) when people are in their element, they're doing it right. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes you just, you you follow that rhythm, you know, and that rhythm of life kind of takes you wherever it's going to take you. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're being authentic to it, but I love, let's talk about that source or references, because I think it's a real high topic that I think is really important for us to discuss because there's a lot of hive mind going on with the way that the internet circulates things and how fast things spit around and like how we work in an industry that's all about like, just copy that, just do that, you know? And it's, it's like they're, re- they're people are just trying to pay other people to regurgitate other work. That's not necessarily from the past, but it's from like a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. So the trends and, and the disposable, this disposalness of what we do is was quite distracting. Totally. <laughs> so yeah. We, we pose the problem. And one thing I love to do in life is there's a problem. What's our solution? What do we consider? So what's your advice and what you've been doing and how you've been able to find good source material and kind of go further down the, the rabbit hole? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Like I, like I was saying when I was recommended a couple books and these were for, for some pretty basic, uh, legendary designers. So we're talking like Paul Rand and, and Saul Bass. And when I opened up those books, they would make references to, um, other artists that they had worked with in the past. And, uh, and then it, that's how that rabbit hole got started was like, Oh, I enjoyed this person's work so much that they're name dropping this person. So I got to check up who, who they are, what they've done. And from there, it was just like a never ending stream of books from Amazon <laughs> to, yeah. to my place, man. And like, it's book it, addiction. My, it's a real, my, it's a real problem. Yeah, <laughs> my, uh, yeah, you gotta have it right. You gotta feed that need. But my, my bookshelf is comical right now. Like I can't fit, I, I can't fit enough on there, but I guess the people that, uh, 
I, I would strive towards would be, yeah, like Paul Rand and Saul Bass, obviously. Um, Alvin Lustig. I don't, I'm not sure if you know his work. He was like another great. And have you heard of uh, Malevich before? I've heard the name. Yeah. I don't know if I'm, if I can recall the work. There's so many people. I remember listening to a recent article, our interview with Kyle Cooper and he was just dropping all kinds of designer names. Oh, I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> like there's so many people. How do you spell uh, the person's name? Um, Malevich is M A L E V I C H. And he's actually, uh, like there's design definitely in his work, but he's more, he was more of an abstract expressionist painter. Hmm. Right. So he actually started, it was like early 1900s, I believe like the 1910s, maybe, maybe that's a bit late, but he hmm. started this form of art, which was called uh, suprematism, which was just basically, um, using shapes but making them extremely dynamic for for lack of a better term even though that's yeah, very it's like motion graphics it. before motion graphics almost oh yeah yeah, yeah it's paul's it's, work does that a lot too it's moving in motion by still like it's interesting there's a kinetic energy to it yeah it, it, his stuff is great and you might be familiar with this piece he did uh this one painting it was basically the i think it was the first painting he did it's called black box or the black cube and it was basically mm -hmm. just one it was just a white canvas with a black box painted <laughs> yeah, I'm in the middle yeah. and it was just like this was the the first time it something like that had been done True. and it was just blowing minds like what is it supposed to mean right like <laughs> this was back when people were like really really trying to find out what uh abstract art meant Right. Like sure. it was just confusing to them. Like there's not there's those people now, but very topical and it's conversational. Very top yeah. And it's almost like the art, the conversation behind the art is actually the, uh, the art of it rather mm -hmm. than the actual art. If that makes sense. You know, it's like the conversation lives, precedes it or lives past it, you know. Um, yeah, because it's like, oh, what is this? And then it starts to get you to question as a human species, like, why do we do the things we do and how weird is it that we perceive these realities and what does art actually do, you know, when it's not necessarily like a utilitarian function, when it mm -hmm. actually makes you think, which is oftentimes very quite, quite interesting. It's a fine line. It has to be delivered really well. I think that's the key. Or it just becomes off as being very pretentious or confusing to the audience member. And then it's a more of a put off, I think, than more than anything. And then it loses its actual like intention, I believe. At least that's, I mean, everybody has a different intention, right? When they're making their work, but yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, his work moves a lot, even just by saying that's I, I bet he would really love like playing in Cinema 4D. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, like using imagine? a cloner and stuff. And like it, it's really fascinating to think. <laughs> yeah, it's really fascinating to think about like what these artists would be like now, like today. <laughs> there's probably there's probably guys just like him right now that are making things that are just getting lost in the web of madness. That is the oh. Internet and Instagram and like and Facebook and all these places to share this work. Oh, I imagine sure. there's, I mean, cause it's, there's common like history repeats itself. Right. So there's a person out there that's doing very similar work, unaware, probably just making things, you know, but yeah. Some different technologies, which is really crazy. Yeah. It's, oh, it's funny. Totally. Actually, something just came to mind on our, on our last point that we were talking about that I want to touch on just in case, uh, sure. it was more about, uh, influences in work and inspiration in regards to that. But one, 
one really strong uh, piece of influence that I take are is not from artists like Paul Rand and Saul, ba- Saul Bass all the time. It's basically the people who are closest to me. Sure. So I think it's like because we get this hero complex, right? From these from these artists, which are making amazing work, but. Uh, I think it's important to look at the people beside you and seeing what they're doing as well to, because like I have so many friends that I ha- that I admire who have helped mentor me, who have been like a constant source of influence. So for example, Jorge. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but I, I'm trying to think of like past just like the art itself. It's more sure. of like, say a friend decides to, leave a company and and start their own that could inspire me and possibly influence me as well sure or say say like a client we're we're on a call Uh, a client is way completely out of line on the phone being like super aggressive but uh a friend or comrade or whoever's on the call with me director lets that slide and they're really calm and, and patient and kind and that to me is admirable and that's the type of influence Hmm. I like to witness and and have in my life, right? Sure. So it, I I I'd like to look past the art a little bit yeah. to to just seeing what else people can offer because I mean, not <laughs> my wife is one of my biggest influencers hmm. in so many different ways. How long have you been married for? Uh one and a half years actually. Okay, cool. Yeah. You guys so, are still going at it. Awesome. You yeah, enjoying been, it still? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We well, we've been awesome. together for about 11 years to 12 oh, okay. years i yeah. think so life it was like it. yeah life <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah like I, I i think it's really important to look at the people beside you and really see what's right in front of you as opposed to like reaching for something that uh not not to say isn't attainable but you, you want to look at you, you don't want to keep all your eggs in one basket that's true. Yeah, I think that because that really limits your form, uh, your form of sight. I, it's hard though when you give these blanket statements of comments, like of, of advice, because it's not always applicable to everybody. So it's always really difficult, right? Like, because you could say, "Don't want to put your eggs in one basket," but then people go, "Okay, well, I'm a generalist." You're like, no, you don't want to be a generalist because you want to be able to do this and that. And, you know, like because like usually what happens is if you get really good at one thing, it's you do put all your eggs in one basket, but it's good because then you have like. Uh, like there's, 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 there's multiple things that come with this, but you can also like, you get pigeonholed, unfortunately, but at the same time, it'll be something that will continually get you attention because it's like that one thing you're known for, you know, like for right now, for example, like I'm really getting into the Sopranos and finally watching it after all these years. Oh, and I yeah. thought to myself, like Tony <laughs> Soprano, James, uh, he's obviously passed away. Unfortunately, now he's an amazing mm-hmm. actor. Incredible. I don't know if you ever watched the show. It's amazing, but um, I thought to myself, how could he ever not be Tony Soprano now? Like he, it's just like so difficult. Right. And so sure, um, yeah. he's kind of put all his eggs in a basket because he brought his a game did the, some of the best acting I've seen in a long time. And he's just, he's Tony Soprano, you know? So I don't there there's, there's a, there's a lot of, it's hard, right? Like with all this stuff, you know, I think, I, I guess I know what you're saying is your, your approach to things and how you problem solve. Um, and how you navigate your decision making and stuff, I think is, is what yeah, I, I think it's it's good to look at who you are and take what advice works for you and leave the rest at the door, right? right? But I also think it's really healthy to have an opinion on yeah. something, right? And, and voice that opinion and uh, not try and convince somebody uh, of one way is right and another way is not the right. 
is wrong, but just kind of like present another idea so people have the opportunity to to take what they want. And sure. and and I think that's uh I think that's really a really healthy way to to be and to move forward, but also be really open at the same time to to hearing other experiences too, right? Mm. I like your approach. I think it's very mature and it says a lot about the way you process things because it's very true. I think I find that nowadays more than ever people seem to be able to I mean, due to technology, they on their own pedestal and they're just screaming and shouting their opinions. And I find it really is like an interesting social experiment when I even like um, like movies, for example, as a good example, like people want to know and hear your opinions of them if you mention it or talk about it or whatever. Um, and I think people are quick to latch on to other people's opinions rather than have their own because it's easier you know, understandably, oh, yeah. you know, to, to, to latch onto another opinion. That's why websites like Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb thrive so big because, you know, we congregate to people's opinions. But I think that that's a dangerous thing because you should have your own opinions and your own thoughts and really process things for what you like. You know, if you like Celtic, I don't know, music from the 19th century or something like who cares? It cares mm. if you don't like to listen to like gangster rap, you know, Yeah. <laughs> like if that's what you, that's, that's what you're into. Ex, uh, enjoy that authenticity that you have against everybody else. Because I think that's really, that's the beauty of, of really indulging in life. I think, you know, and that's really where mm. I think art thrives is when there's a variety. Um, you talked about the reference and stuff. I want to keep bringing this up, but so mm. what's your thoughts on that? I mean, you mentioned that where you get your inspiration, but this is still abstract. You get it from like, say your wife or your colleagues or something, but when it has to be something really specific, like a certain design style or an, an approach to a motion piece or something like that, how do you differentiate that if you don't look at Pinterest and where, where are you looking and how are you using those devices to kind of help you? Do you look at books or, um, do you sketch? Do you use your imagination? Like what, what's your process now? Yeah. Like I, Oh, that's a loaded question. Cause there's, it could go so many ways. And sure. like, like you're saying, like, I don't want to like bring up one approach and I have so many, so many others and that's understandable, but yeah, like I, so one real big influence for me is music. And, and that's a really general statement because as creatives, we, I'm sure all of us listen to music. Yeah. Music's great. <laughs> uh, actually like this is a, this is a bit of history that, that I'll touch on, which is kind of interesting. Um, do you know what DDR is? Like the game? Yeah, it's called Dance, Dance, Dance Revolution. Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah. Uh, I, I mentioned this time to time. But uh, yeah, so it, for people who don't know, it's uh, the game is called Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, you've probably seen it at like every movie theater or arcade in existence and it's it's a rhythm based game with a huge library of songs it's it's basically an early version of guitar hero if you've played that but you you stand on a grid of four arrows and you need to step match for how they appear on screen so I remember the first time I saw somebody play this game and it was actually in a friend's basement and they built like this makeshift pad out of basic hardware supplies, anything you can get, like a Home Depot, and ported it to their PS1. So this is a while ago. This is like three gens back. Sure. <laughs> so w when you watch somebody play for the first time uh, that game, you're like, what the like, what the fuck is this? It's it's pretty mind blowing. 
and when, when I somebody plays in, it that they're good or they're just bad oh it's it's when they're good when okay they're yeah good. yeah when they're it's, good it's, you're like damn you know like this yeah. is i've seen ddr killers you know like wow this is pretty intense <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy and and i was i was instantly hooked and this was uh a long time ago this is right before I got into doing any art. This was like the tail end of like high school, but I, I didn't have the skills to build my own pad. So my only access to Dance Dance Revolution was at the closest movie theater, which was like 20 minutes away. And and that's basically where I, again, I spent the tail end of my teenage years mm. playing basically every weekend at the theater, dropping like 30 bucks a day, which is like a lot for a teen <laughs> on a game. They love you. And, That's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but like I actually ended up working at an arcade for a couple years just awesome. so I can have easy access and spend my checks there. Man, I freaking so, love arcades, dude. Yeah. They're the best oh. the smell and then just the experience and, Man, I, so, that's one thing that I think has just died, you know, unfortunately. They're still, like, straggling along, and people like us support it as best we can. But, man, I just had yeah, the amount of time that I spent in, 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 in arcades just and how influential that was on my early development as a creative person. Just oh, so totally. Awesome. Yeah, and, that, and that's exactly what I, what I felt here is that um, because I, I was practicing for years and years and it eventually – grew into entering tournaments and challenging other players, mm. keeping statistics online. And eventually I even held like a, a top spot in, uh, in Canada. So it was, it was a pretty intense, like five years of my life, mm. but I, I never really influ- like realized the influence that it would have in my work and how that changed, how I saw and felt things because I'm, I'm really in debt to that game mm. because the way that rhythm games work is essentially through pattern recognition, right? So you develop your rhythm pacing and like sp- spatial awareness, all things that I've been able to see while either designing or animating. Yeah. And it was basically a bridge between music and visuals for me. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really sure where I would be if it wasn't for that game, because I, a lot of what comes from that game, like in terms of, again, its connection to music and, and rhythm, I, I find has like parallels in my work as well, even like aesthetically, because it, it, it's from Konami, it's from Japan, so it, it, it's got like a lot of uh, psychedelic colors and snappy animations to it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with all the yeah. design language in Japan, right? So it's, yeah, it, it's I, I feel like crazy. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's not a big influence right? for like this piece I directed and, and FITC, oh, yeah. the title sequence for that. It was, it was a, the big thing was like to merge that view from a Western's perspective. Yeah. But yeah, it's heavily influential. Um, yeah, the perceive how we perceive that stuff. There's so much art and design and stuff that goes into these things. It's crazy, <laughs> endless oh, yeah. amounts of inspiration if you're really tuned into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, like you. How did you find Japan when you were there? That that was that was a few years ago, right? Since, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was there about three or four years ago now. Um, yeah, it's incredible. It's just amazing. Um, it's on my list to own a little house out in like one of the little, little towns, um, later on in my life so I can 
spend part of the year out there because I really just love and admire the Japanese culture and just all everything about it. It was just it was weird because there's certain places where you travel in the world where you just like you really freaking hate them. You hate that place. I'm like, oh, this place is the worst. <laughs> or there's places where you're just this is the best place ever. And like you might think like, oh, the Bahamas or something like that. I, I don't, I'm not super pumped on the Bahamas. I love Hawaii. I grew up there, but like Japan, I don't know. There's something about it. Um, the cleanliness, the the focus on culture and um, the the pursuit of perfection within whatever it is that you do. I just really admire it through and through. And I just really had a, an amazing time experiencing the culture. I loved it. Have you been there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just there a couple months ago, actually, for Sick. like about... 20, 20 days. Yeah. Oh, 20 it's, days. That's great. So yeah, you're, this, crazy. Is a, this is, this is fresh for you. So how, how did it go? Uh, what brought it upon you to go and, and like, how was the experience for you and what has it done for you creatively? Oh yeah. Like, uh, I think it was just something that was on our bucket list for a while and it just seemed like the right time. So we spent about 10 of those days in Tokyo and the rest traveling, uh, to like Osaka, Kyoto, all the way down to Hiroshima mm. and every place has its own. It's, it's, it's crazy how a place so densely packed and so small can every city has its own unique flavor. Oh yeah. Right. They it's, do. It, yeah. And, uh, Tokyo, I, I would say by far, uh, was my topic. <laughs> so yeah. anybody like you, it's you can go there, there for 10 days. Yeah. So anybody's like listening, like, just go for 10 days, you know, it's easy for me to just say, yeah, just go to Tokyo. No problem. But like you can go for a short one and it's just as good. It's, it's phenomenal. You'll, you'll come back exhausted, um, and <laughs> yeah, super inspired. Yeah. As I'm sure you felt as well. Right. We it's walked just so simple. much. We, it was me, Andrew and Aaron. We walked around so much. Like I have a, like a, one of those like tracker walking things, you know, and like, on average, I'll do like eight to 10,000 steps a day. Um, when we were in Tokyo, we were doing like 45 to 55,000 <laughs> steps a day. Whoa. It was just like oh, man. <laughs> putting some serious miles down because that's the best way to really experience a place. I, I don't like going in a car. Like I like to either ride a bike or walk everywhere um, because that's how you really get to experience it. And Japan, especially Tokyo, is so densely populated you mentioned you went to kyoto too i mean that was probably my favorite of the trip i, I really enjoy tokyo but i'm not a big city person so mm -hmm. like although it was a spectacle it's really draining but kyoto i found to be really great because you can kind of get out into the nature side of things which i really loved too it's just kind of like little pockets of in the towns and stuff i thought were really great and there's a lot of really um, beautiful pieces out there um little pockets basically that are awesome yeah, just to breathe, right? Like, just finally a breath of fresh air. Because when in Tokyo, it's like Times Square everywhere, all yes. the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fast, one, yeah. <laughs> one thing that uh, was crazy in Japan is like, I, it, this is probably really prominent in New York and other big cities, but uh, there's the whole like secret bar craze, right? Like, oh, like I knew this really good bar. It's like you have hmm. to like, get a password to get in and only Amazing we know about it and like literally every restaurant or bar in tokyo is like a secret bar because there's just so fucking much there that nobody knows about anything 
it's just like you can go in and every single place you walk it's it's a unique experience so yeah it's highly recommended to to anybody and everybody (laughs) especially westerners like us i think that are influenced especially by art too i think it's just like something to really um just really just you have to do it to appreciate it and understand it. It's not easy, right? If you're living over here, it's expensive flight. And, um, you know, if you're not comfortable with like not going to a place that speaks English and all that stuff, but honestly, I wouldn't worry about it. Google translate works fine. And, um, most Japanese people speak enough English to get you by if you need to. Um, but yeah, it's kind of also fun to go to a place where, you know, you're not going to be able to rest on your laurels of being able to like, communicate with everybody so you just you can be insular and and experience something and just kind of be a stranger you know an outsider which is oftentimes really great and teaches you a lot you know Uh, there's so many things that i got from that trip it was just it was really hard to put to words and and all i want to do is just go back honestly you know Mm -hmm. i I have a couple friends that live there and i'm just really quite envious and and I think the grass is always greener. They're like, Oh, I want to go back home. I'm like, well, I'll trade you spots and you know, so. <laughs> oh, sure. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm there. <laughs> is that a goal to possibly go and go back again sometime soon? Did you just go with you and your wife? Did you guys go or? Yeah, it was, it was just both of us. We, we travel a lot. I try to take one, like a slab of a month off uh, a year just for travel to do it all just in one big chunk. So it's easier and that's kind of been a running goal with us over the past few years so we're gonna see how it goes but Mm. yeah like i'm i'm i think having these new experiences not not just traveling but just having new experience in general like going out to seek something different for yourself really at least for me like fuels uh my passion for the arts and uh ideas right it's not like a idea generating machine to go with new experiences but it definitely opens your eyes to to a lot of different worlds yeah so yeah i'm i'm just a very big proponent of trying to go out and do something different whether it's like skydiving or eating i don't know like a scorpion or a gator or whatever you know what i mean there's just really anything i'll 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 try almost anything once like almost anything (laughs) yeah that's Almost good, there's there's limitations, right? But yeah, I think it's uh, it just opens you up to a whole other world of possibilities because it's so easy to close yourself off from saying like I won't like this or I won't like that, so you won't try it. But like maybe there's like for for me, I've decided to focus just on 2D, right? And I, and I used to do 3D, and I I cut that out because I, I was just like I'm jack of all trades master of none but basically like now if somebody comes to me with a project that oh there's like a little bit of 3d in this or like this might be a little bit more more organic i might be a little bit averse to that because it's not really down the path that i've gone to but i've learned because of trying new experiences not to cut anything out it's it's like when you receive like a brief from a client right (laughs) yeah and challenge yeah it's a challenge because like it's really conflicting when you get that deck because (laughs) it could either make or break the project, but you don't know yet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or it can make make or break you, you know? So yeah, yeah. like it it could go really either way. There's no easy answer for that dilemma, but I think there's been a lot of instances where I've been 
we've all been there. I feel like where we get that brief and we, or that email where we're kind of like, ah, this isn't really for me, Hmm. but, but I feel like you have to try stuff. This is like early on your career. You want to try everything out like a little bit before just like shitting on it or just like cutting it out of your life completely because then you have, uh, you develop the right instinct if the, if a project is right for you or not. Yeah. There's different stages, you know, when you're a seasoned vet, it's always good to, to constantly be humbled and learning. Um, oftentimes I think if I relate it to like jujitsu, for example, I do this a lot. Imagine people are like, God, stop relating everything to jujitsu. But if you, if you do train jujitsu, you understand how, what I'm saying here, but because Mm -hmm. it's based on a belt system, when, when you climb the ranks of the belt and you get like, let's say it starts with white belt, which is your, your entry person who's off the street comes in. They're completely pure and clear and like they're basically just a punching bag for everybody. <laughs> then you have like a blue belt, which is an accelerated version of the white belt and then purple and then you have brown and then black. But when you start to climb the ranks of that, you start to become less um, willing to like throw yourself in adverse situations. And the only way to really grow in life is to really put yourself through the paces of those things because that's mm-hmm. really where like the, the, the work shines, the deep work really starts to shine. And I think that's, um, that's a big problem. I think I find, um, and I find it in myself, you know, you get comfortable like before, um, uh, I was like, Oh, I'm just going to do this. I'm just gonna be a designer, you know? And mm-hmm. then I'm like, I don't want to just be a designer. I'm like, I want to do everything, you know? And then I started to realize like what that meant and how difficult that was. And then, um, but once you go, you just can't look back and, I think if you approach the problems with an open mind and you just accept that you know nothing and to be willing to let, you know, be a noob at all times in life and embrace the suck, then you can kind of just, you can just grow to levels that you never thought possible. And I think that's really where I enjoy the process of growth inside of the, the, the form of art. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's difficult though. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's never it's not there's no solution to it. It's just you just got to get used to it. That's what we're doing. That's where that's that's the industry we're in. But uh, yeah, it's fear is an interesting thing, right? Because you can kind of like link that to fear to to a degree. Yeah, you definitely (laughs) can. Yeah. Yeah, I find that uh, there's everybody's scared to start something or to jump from one thing to another or, or change. And that's not something that's, I, 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 I hate to sound like a broken record here, but that's, that's just something that you learn to live with as opposed to, uh, conquering. Right. I think like, sure. Oh, I conquered my fear. I conquered this. It's just like, well, the, let me, let me use an example. It's like public speaking, right? Like I don't, I can't think of like one person in existence who's who who isn't insane that hasn't like that that just went up to speak in front of like hundreds of people and said that they weren't nervous or that they weren't afraid. Everybody has been afraid at some point in their life when it was the first time they've ever done something. Right. So and I just yeah. think like public speaking, a lot of people can relate to that. But sure. that's the same thing in like art, whether it's like finding your own voice or choosing to to shift gears from 3d to 2d or 2d to 3d that like you're never like don't wait you'll never feel comfortable to to make a change in your life you're always going to be scared to to do something so yeah uh, 
I, I just think like depends on what you want though, yeah. right? I mean that's the key yeah. is knowing what you want, you know, and being really clear about that and and letting that journey take its course and, and understanding that what you want might change, you know, and be willing to take that course of action. Yeah. Yeah. And be like willing I, to take I, that that journey, you know. Because you never know where, where you're gonna end up, you know. It's, for sure. Like I, I I don't think that uh people should let fear essentially dictate their life or prevent them from trying new things like uh, the, the, I, I guess that's a that's a hard one oh uh, that's a hard one that's because what she said yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like, uh, so I, that, it's 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 really difficult that's a difficult one because i can preach that all day and night but it's sure. again like what i said uh previous it's uh, one size doesn't fit all, right? Like what I'm, what I'm yeah. saying might not be right for you and you should be able to take all or, or none of what I just said. <laughs> sure. Which is difficult, right? You know, cause like when you want to pass off advice, cause oftentimes that's what this podcast is as well as to shed light into other people's perspectives to help one another, you know, and to help us understand like, Oh, okay, I'm not alone and how to deal with adversities. But yeah, I think there, I think it's not about avoiding fear or dis, disconnecting from it. I think from my personal perspective, it's all about managing it because it's inevitable. So it's almost like managing, you know, the fact that you're going to die, you know, like, okay, we all know we're all going to die. But if we just sat there and dread and, and think about it all day long, it would just be quite depressing. So what you must do is in order to embrace that as you ha- must have some form of like, dealing with the fact that okay it's going to happen so it's inevitable so i'm just going to i'm going to put it at the back of my mind outside mm-hmm. out of mind and i'm just going to focus on what's in front of me and then that's really what living is about you know but yeah um it's it's kind of just living with those things as they come through and dealing with them as they feed into your life um through different situations and it's so easy to say don't be afraid but it's like man just you know it's so it's so much in our heads you know Oh, I know. Like, so what made you decide to do 2d only and not doing 3d? Is there, is there a reason? Yeah. Like, uh, it was basically just, uh, again, like a lack of focus. I felt like I really wasn't, uh, standing out in, in anything Mm -hmm. at that point. Like I was, I, I was okay at a lot of things, but I just felt this real drive to try something in 2d because it was something that i hadn't done for a while so so like to touch on fear again like i was very comfortable texturing and modeling rendering doing all that stuff like i was okay at it i could have uh potentially worked full time like for the uh, like hopefully for for a long time after that but uh I, I just really felt like I wanted to do to try 2D again because I had started there, and that that was a big deal. Deciding to, I, I was basically permalance at uh, this company in Toronto for about two years working on 3D, and I just decided to say uh, I, I have to take a leave. There's only <laughs> so many work. companies there too. Yeah. It's a small yeah. little community up there. Small. Yeah, it's small. So it was, it was definitely a, a big thing and it was really scary because I, I was comfortable and that's basically where I started, um, the project that, that I worked on, which was called original. And I, yeah, so that I, I basically was just trying to find my voice there and to see if I could do it and to have create a piece that, that would short. Add. Yeah. what's that i remember this short yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's it was it was a, a bit ago but two years ago now yeah it yeah it's it's crazy it actually hasn't been like 
so so long it feels like a lot longer sure yeah <laughs> time is a funny thing but it's it was definitely uh, a scary time because i didn't know what i was doing but i needed it to be a vessel for the projects that i i wanted to take smart and and it it was a big risk and it yeah it, it was it was definitely an adventure this is your and personal project right yeah, this was the first personal project that I had ever done. My first short. They're the best. Personal projects are the best. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I swear it's... by them. My whole career is based on them. Yeah. Yeah, like what what uh, what drives you to start your the personal work that you do? Shit, there's so many ideas I want to do. You know, so yeah. it's I literally it's 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 like if I don't do them, I, I get really pissed. So like I must, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I can only be a yes man for clients so long or make them look good for so long until like I'm blue in the face. It's like, okay, it's time for me to really start, you know, putting in my own time. So it, a lot of it just comes from the sheer desire to just simply create. I consider it like, um, it's kind of like a, you know, a sandbox as a child, as you play in the sandbox, it's like, sometimes you just want to play and make your own world in there. You don't want to have like a client come in and kick the sand all in your face and move things around. And you're like, well, what the heck's going on here? And that's a whole different dynamic, you know, but I think with personal projects, you can really just show the world who you are and add something to it rather than, you know, feeding the, the, the onslaught of a client's request, which is oftentimes um, derivative and unauthentic, you know, which is happens all the time you know yeah due do to you, the constraints of things you know your authenticity comes yeah. through when you're just doing it personally i think so yeah. yeah i like i absolutely agree with that i i i was actually curious also if you do you get it from more of an an aesthetic standpoint where i'm like oh i'd really like to do something that looks like this or or feels like this or do you start it because you come from a place where like oh like I'm feeling this way and I want to voice how I'm feeling or is it all like across the board? I think it's all from across the board really, you know, yeah. Yeah, at the same time I feel like I want to try and tell an audience member or like a client like, Hey, I'm not just some guy that does this one thing, you know, like, mm -hmm. like, um, I use it as a, as a form of, of value, um, proposition, you know, it's like, Hey, I, I can also do this or I also have this kind of voice. And when you put that stamp out in the world, I think people go, okay, cool. Like, because uh, if you don't take a risk on yourself, no, nobody else is going to, you know? So you gotta put, you gotta be willing to put in the time to show the world that. And if like, I found that I was like, oh, I was getting pigeonholed as like this UI guy. I'm like, oh, that's not what I do really. I, I just kind of like managed to fall into that. And that seemed to be something that I was interested in. I, I enjoy it, but it's not necessarily like the end all be all for me personally. So I was able to kind of like go, okay, well now it's time to like really up the ante and, and, and show people that I can do other things, you know? So mm -hmm. shape shifting basically, you know, and value proposition, showing people that like, Hey, I can offer this as well. I think if personal projects done well, it, it really shows, it really takes care of a lot of things and it, and it helps evolve you and what you're doing and also evolve your persona and also you closer to what it is that you love doing you know and, and it takes a while to get there right you can't just come out the gate out of college probably maybe you can i don't who, who am i but usually you gotta, well, cut, there's you been gotta people, cut your teeth you know so yeah yeah there's there's some wizards coming out right now right i love it <laughs> so i love it i love yeah. it i love seeing people come out and just slay it and yeah. just you know make us all look like fools i just love it 
it's my favorite oh, thing because I used to hate it. Fire. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I used to hate it because I'm like, damn, these people. Not hate it in a bad way, just like damn them, you know. But I really embrace it now more than ever because I just go, wow, this is so cool. Because we're living in such a great time where we're able to like really exchange so many ideas and like live amongst geniuses, really people that are amazing and in their element, like striving, which is great. And to me, there's no better inspiration other than another artist killing it for me personally. I mean, I guess nature, but that's a soft, that's a, that's a, a silent, um, you know, uh, catalyst of creation. Whereas I think with people, other creatives, I just get so inspired by what other people make to go off and whatever it is, even if it's not anything, anything close to it, you know? Yeah. Um, Can you imagine what the next 40 or sorry, the next 10 years are going to look like? Like, yeah, it's going to be interesting. What are your thoughts on that? Cause that's, I have that in my list of questions. I love to ask everybody, like, what's your thoughts on where this is all going and where are you (laughs) proposing that you're going to project yourself out to so that you're relevant and you have a value? Cause that's something I always think about as well. Like how can you retain your value and relevancy in the future? Uh, I think it's, oh, in terms of like where I see things going, I like personally, I, I look at, I make, I split myself from the industry, right. To say like, this is where in terms of goal setting, like I like to set goals on like where I would like to be in 10 years or, or 20 years or, or whatever. And in terms of like what the industry brings, I'm only looking like, I know this is like going to be completely opposite from like what people, because people like a lot of people are futurists in terms of like how they look at our industry, right? Like where are we going to be? How am I going to position myself? Sure. But I, I really like to look at like, uh, the present and, and what I'm doing at that moment to try and create the best thing that I can. And because I always know that if I, uh, have the passion and I really care about what I'm doing, um, I'm going to be able to shift as long as it's something, uh, creative. Right. Or, yeah. and, and, and that's kind of like, uh, for, for now anyways, I've been looking at the industry in the present moment, but I, I'm definitely a, a huge goal setter. That's good. <laughs> like, uh, I guess like the biggest change I ever made in my life was to start setting goals which sounds pretty obvious but man it's a yeah. simple thing but people don't take it seriously and that's a game changer oh for sure i yeah. like i i think when building when you're building your goals if you can find your own purpose in that it's like the greatest weapon you can have as a freelancer yeah. because it's the thing that inherently pushes uh, you yeah, yeah absolutely it locks you in yeah you have anything yeah. like a big goal you want to put out there into the world now and and share it with us so you come back well, later and go look at i did yeah. <laughs> so like in terms of like my personal goals right now i like i for short term i, I just want to be more involved with the community i think that's there's so much more to just putting out good work now the it, creative inter- community the motion graphics community motion, motion graphics community like gotcha. just the creative community in general not even like just motion graphics but just trying to give back in some capacity but i guess for like my goals for the future i'm a little bit superstitious of sharing them it's like when you open a fortune cookie and you're like not supposed to share it (laughs) no that's fear talking don't embrace that shit yeah no it's it's uh it's funny i actually own that uh, thing dude own it put it out there and own it (laughs) oh man like for for my goals in terms of like what i set i actually have about like three, four, five envelopes sit in my 
envelopes sitting in my closet right now, which are just like goals for like where I want to be in the next uh, five years or 10 years or 15 years. And like when that year hits like five years down the line, I'll open up that goal to see if, uh, if I've achieved it or not. Mm-hmm. Because I think like when you, when you write something down, it, it kind of makes it real for you. Right? Sure. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, you manifest it basically. And it's, it's, it's a law of a manifestation. It's kind of like, uh, you, you kind of exist in it and then you make it happen. And by doing so you kind of live through it. And that's, I think that's the reason why I'm such, I mean, some people give me a, a hard time. Like, Oh, you always ask about this, but it's true though. And it's really important because I think that's a part of doing things great. You know, it's like manifesting it, writing it down because things are so abstract and when you especially as an artist because we're trying to take things that are so abstract in our minds and then you know bring them down to you know uh reality but the better you can do that the better and happier you're going to be because you're able to like create a pass pass passageway i mean there there is one of my biggest fears growing up was like artist block you know like how am i going to produce art when i'm completely blocked up and the way to get through that is to basically make these passageways easier and a roadmap of creativity to like stimulate yourself and get yourself energized. And like, that was one of my biggest fears I've overcome it. And the only reason I was able to overcome it is because I just kept pushing through, you know, and I, and I firmly do not believe in artist block at all. Like it's, it's such a stupid thing. And also like the starving artist is bullshit too. So both of those things. I was just thinking that I was just thinking that the other day, I'm just like, Oh, creative block is, I'm, I'm, people aren't going to agree with me, but it's kind of bullshit. No, it's a hundred times. If anybody disagrees with me on that, I would love to talk with you because I'll help you. Uh, see how it is that you do not need to have that as a crux and most of the time crutch, people use it as a crutch to like you know say well I, I tried but I couldn't and it's almost like well you you could have but you decided not to and it's it's owner it's owner owning it there's a book that I've been intending to read it's called extreme ownership a bunch of my okay. friends have been telling me about it um, I think we, even Joe we talks about it list. We got to I do. I have a I have yeah. a book list on my Amazon. It has all my books in there and like they're all broken into categories so people can go through there and see what I've reading and all that stuff. But I'm thinking about doing book clubs and shit too like publicly. I think it'd be a lot of fun just to talk about books and stuff. But the 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 premise of the book that I've discovered is basically this guy who's like it's all about owning whatever it is that you want to do. You have like complete ownership of it and like you don't like you don't let those things like you don't let excuses get in the way of you owning it. Like if you want to, I don't know, cook a breakfast or something like that, like cook a great breakfast, you know, like own it, understand yeah. how to cook yeah. the breakfast. And, and, and from that process, you have extreme ownership. You also have extreme pride and, 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 and like, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's a complicated thing, obviously. Right. And I need to read the book so I can really vouch for what the hell it's saying. But, um, I, that's one thing I've been really trying to consider is like, just own it, you know, put it out yeah. there and own it and, 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 and manifest it. You know, you have to, cause if you don't have that, you're going to just float around and become artsy fartsy, you know, all these like these funny things that I grew up listening mm. to quotes that I think are completely irrelevant yeah. and quite stupid, you know, it's like <laughs> you can totally <laughs> surpass that and you don't have to necessarily be an art prostitute and working for the man and all that, whatever you want to call it. You can mm-hmm. still do amazing personal artwork and work that you love on your own whenever you want if you decide to have that. But it's just like you have to get past that barrier of insecurity, which is like starving artist or imposter syndrome and all these things. And when we're passing this off, I still have many problems that I'm facing myself and getting through as well. So like I'm not perfect at all. I'm, I'm a work in progress and will be until I die. 
but it, it's all about the grind, right? Like yes. at the end of the day, that is just it sucks, but it is part <laughs> of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm really humbled to be able to um, reply to some emails or send off emails asking questions about uh, certain things, and just like. I'll ask, Hey, what's your process? Or people ask me, Hey, what's my process? And I think the easiest answer is just work really fucking hard and just grind it out because <laughs> just, it's just like, just what's show your, up what, and get the work yeah, done. That's all it freaking what's, is. Yeah. What's your secret? Like, what's your secret sauce? It's just like, I fucking work really hard for the past 10 years yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, I'm gonna, and I'm going to work really hard for the next 10 years so that, uh, sure. I could keep up with the rest of the talented people out there, yeah. you know, or it's, it's just really, it, that's really what it comes down to. And it's like, I, I've said this a couple times before, I don't know if people are sick of it, but it, it's like weight loss. Right. Mm. And you want to, people are always looking for the quick fix or like the romantic ideas. We all like, are, right. Aren't yeah, you? Yeah. I am too. Oh, I am. Yeah. I am too. But it's, it's, it's really, not about like picking up those weight loss pills to get fit in like 30 days, like get ripped. It's about like hitting the gym like every single day. And that's when you're going to see results and embracing right? it. And also, you know, diet and all that stuff. I mean, there's a many specific obviously, but yeah, I mean, we all want instant results when you're thirsty, you want to grab a glass of water and drink, right? I mean, it's just impulse control, I think is what the key is and understanding your impulses and how to manage them and to just realize that certain things just take longer than others, you know? Like, uh, I really love jujitsu cause it's a hard thing for me to do. Like it's difficult. Like some people are natural at it. Some people aren't. I mean, I guess some of my gym mates will probably say I am in a certain way, but I'm not, you know, like I don't, when I watch somebody do something, I'm like, I don't just go, okay, this is my thing. I have to discover it myself. And through that stubbornness of the journey, <laughs> it's the same with art. You know, I think it's the same way. It's like, I embrace it by just understanding that it's a process, you know, and like, it's okay to have impulse control. You just have to understand like where your impulses are and how to manage them properly because they can go really out of control very easily if you're not being cautious of how you manage them. You know, if you're expecting yeah. to be as good as either of us or a great uh, other creative or whatever instantly, well, good luck, you know, like there's no fucking secret to this. Like literally, the secret to this is pure dedication, pure focus and pure work for lots of amount of time. And how much time you put in is how much you get out of it. You yeah. Know, if you're not willing to put in the time, then you're just not going to get the results that you want. And you have yourself to blame because you didn't put the the sacrifice in. And that's sure. simple as yeah. that. Yeah. No, I I hundred uh, percent agree, man. Like I think that one something that's really important to do across the board, and I hopefully we can all agree on this, is like is to do a lot of inward thinking because yeah. like when you're talking about impulse control, um, understanding where your impulses are coming from are, are also about understanding like who you are as a person. And something that I always try and do is look at, uh, my root cause, which is essentially by asking why over and over again, I'm doing like a certain thing. Right. So if I'm, uh, taking on a certain project, I ask myself, why do I want to take this project? Right. And let's just say it's because it's really good money, right? Just for an example, I, yeah. I I'm taking it because it's really good money. Sure. Okay. Good why reason. are you, yeah. Like what, so, so why am I taking it? Because it's really good money because I want to, uh, buy this 
And it's like, okay, well, why do you want to buy that? It's like, oh, because like, it's going to help me improve my craft, right? Like it could be like a Cintiq or something like that. Sure. Uh, Why do you want to improve your craft? (laughs) Yeah, lowest least common denominator. I love that. Totally. And you go all the way back. And just because you're running yourself back and you're asking yourself why isn't to like, have this super enlightening experience, but just to kind of better understand where you're coming from and how you've gotten to the point where you're at and understanding the decisions that you you're going to make or you hope to make so that you can like try and make better decisions in the future based on like knowing who you are. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Impulse control. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And your triggers, you must understand psychologically what triggers you and how you trigger it and how you deal with those triggering and and what you do in those impulse, uh, impulsive moments. Um, and what you, you know, how you decide things like chess match with yourself in your life, you know, and how you develop, you know, different strategies to accomplish certain tasks and how you deal with stress or whatever it might be. Um, no, it's, I, I love that. I think that there's, there's so much to be expo- explored and exposed there because there's so much about it in human nature that we're constantly fighting against, um, you know, and dealing with our worst parts but at the same time, embracing it and really just kind of dealing with it. It's so easy for us to say, I think too, it's hard. Sometimes I have to remind myself like, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I feel like, uh, you know, there's that tenure thing where it's people say it's like, you know, takes 10 years of your dedication to like kind of reach that it's like a common place where 10,000 hours meets you know and yeah. once you get there you've kind of understood that whatever it is that you're doing I feel like I'm probably like on year six or seven so it's really easy for me to go like oh you know like it's easy you just keep working and I'm like if I if I was looking at this mountain that I've already climbed I'd be like dude screw this you know like I'd probably do it anyways because I'm stupid and, and I'm just I'm really, really <laughs> no, I'm like good. ridiculous about my my accomplishments but I, I can easily see like from a from afar if you're at the base of this mountain like how challenging it is but at the same time like um it's it's worth it it really is um there's something to it it one of these topics kind of brought up another thing that i wanted to talk about it was one one of this book that i bring up quite often is uh stephen king on writing he's one of my favorite authors for horror obviously mm-hmm. it's not perfect some of his books are kind of crazy but i just <laughs> i love i love it and what it kind of i learned from him is um I, in my mind, I consider him a master of what he does, you know, and so but his routine is very simple and he just basically has a routine where he gets up in the morning, has his coffee and he writes like, I don't know, he said like 3000 words or something like no matter what. He just writes that 3000 words and he gets it done by the time, like maybe lunch or so he has mm-hmm. lunch and goes out and takes a walk or does something where he like, you know, stimulates his brain does like these long walks. He lives out in Maine. So he's kind of secluded and he um, comes home and does this, you know, family thing and then he rinses and repeats it and he so he has a rhythm he's not like forcing himself to like sit there and just write a whole novel he has a rhythm that he follows every day again it's easy because he's actually probably on his like thirty thousand hours or something like that you know oh he's, yeah. yeah he's gone around <laughs> he's gone up the mountain and back and up and down and back and over and over and round run around and you know so it's it's easy from his perspective to see that but what i learned from that is observing another master seeing how they work is they literally they love what they do, even in the shitty parts, and they um, have a rhythm that allows them to get that output honestly and in, 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 in a strategy basically that works um, as, a, as a as a form of habit that allows them to really kind of get their workout in a flow. And I think that's mm-hmm. really that's really a key. That's really a, um, a very important part of 
being really great is being able to tap into that and find your inner impulses and where those are and create good habits out of them. Because if you don't, it's going to be just a wild ride. You're going to hate life and you're just going to have those like really shitty lows and really amazing highs. And they're going to just be polars. It's going to really throw you off in life because you're going to be constantly searching for those highs and, and, and the, the the polar lows are going to be so shitty is you're going to doubt everything. So, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Difficult. (laughs) Yeah. Difficult. Like, uh, in terms of like routine, uh, do you have like a certain routine that you follow day to day or do you think it's like you you try and mix it up as well as you can as a freelancer, right? I mean, Oh Yeah you're basically kind of like a rogue just getting laser shot at you all time and you have to change trajectories (laughs) at all times. So I I've kind of given up on the idea of being regiment because when I started becoming regiment, it was like more stress just to be regiment. And it was like, I got to keep hold of this just because, and that was like a really big problem. And so Mm -hmm. what I've discovered with the process is like embracing change, but making a schedule that like will allow for some flexibility so I'm going to have a really, um, a total system that I use that I've learned from just all these books and stuff, but it's oh, yeah. it mostly comprised of just making lists, a list of my obligations, um, the night before and writing it all out on paper and then yeah. setting times and then setting alarms on my phone to match those times. So I keep on track and the, then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause you know, yeah. as, as a creative person, we go in and it's one thing I had to explain to my wife for many years because she's not necessarily like a very creative person, like that type of like me. And I had explained to her like why I go in the office and I'm completely numb to the the reality of world for the, you know, five, six hours pass it by. And she's like, where were you? I'm like, I was, I was in my mind, you know? And so yeah. at the beginning it was really difficult to manage that. But now through the process of like setting alarms and stuff, I know when to, to come in and out of that mental space. So that's, that's kind of a brief overview of my routine. How about yourself? Do you have routines and habits in, in line to kind of keep you on track? Oh, sure. Like you were pretty, you were like preaching to the choir there. And it's like, I, I feel the exact same way. Uh, there, there's this, you're, you're talking about developing systems to, to better yourself in terms of time management. Uh, I talked about this before as well. Maybe I, I'm not sure with whom, but like, uh, I use a system with post-it notes. Yeah. And, I, well, I saw that piece you did. So, Oh yeah. 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 Oh, awesome. Thanks. Yeah. That's uh, so nice of you to watch that, but it was, <laughs> This is the Blend yeah. Fest 2017, the tip for writers on notes. Is that the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, yeah and it, like basically I, I've set up, I'm like looking at it right now. It's I, I used to have like a shit ton of post-it notes all over my desk, like every which way, just because I, like yourself, I love writing things down and that's how I just can start pumping out ideas. Sure. But I, this is going to seem very dry, but I have my board back here set up with seven days of the week and basically every week I kind of go through what I need to do and the list of priorities that they are. And I, and I stick them all up under the day in different colors, whether they're, uh, just errands I need to run, like taking a shower finally or something like that, sure. you know, yeah. or Those are good ones. Those are good yeah. ones to have on the list cause you'll forget them. And it's also a good, easy thing to do. Yeah. And like the rest is like just, work stuff that another color just work stuff. And every time I'm done a day, like say like today, uh, tonight, right after we're done, I'm going to put, put up what I'm going to be doing next week. Right. So I just keep this constant flow of this, this seven day short-term goal that I need to do. And basically how I fill up 
the missing day is I have this whole other set of post-its that are medium-term goals. Yeah, cool. I <laughs> so, like that. So yeah. then I just like, so it's basically just What's a, the duration on the medium term? A month? Oh, the me- medium term is, yeah, like a month. Anything that can't fit on the seven days. Yeah. And then f- below that, I have something that's long-term goals, right? Mm-hmm. So your, anytime your I think of like- Going to yeah, Japan like, or something like that. It could be anything. Yeah. Like even like if I, you know, we have a a crazy idea for a short or like an aesthetic I'd really like to try out. I just write it down there and there's, it's like a judge, the wall is a judgment free zone. So in terms of like, well, in terms of long-term goals, because not everything is going to get done on there. We're only human. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love that you're using this wall of I just love it. Visually it's great too, because you're a creative and an artist and you think visually. So it's, and then bringing that visual into your own reality is awesome. Have you ever seen Ex Machina, the movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So the, the genius guy in Dude, there, this huge I wall of awesome post I just watched that dancing scene like <laughs> literally like three hours ago. Like somebody posted it. I was like, shit, like this was amazing. I need to watch it again. Oh, it's such a good film. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah. But that's funny because when you're talking about that, it made me think about it. But no, I'm sorry for interrupting you. So your, your process, so the, the long term ones are in their own section. And I I think maybe possibly one of the questions would be is like, how do you determine what is long-term and what isn't? Because they are all abstract, right? Um, they, how do you determine? Are, yeah, they, they are all abstract. So I, there's, there's stuff on there that right now, which are like I, that are medium. That's like, I might not be able to touch for another four years. I don't know. But as I start working things down and I start having gaps in my seven days, yeah. I can see like, Oh, maybe it's time to start this, small project or maybe sketch out some ideas. I have an hour window there. I have a day free here to explore. And once those windows start, start opening, like then it's easier to start packing stuff in. And like, I'm not saying you should fill like every gap of your day with work mm-hmm. <laughs> or live your Unless life. You want by, to. Yeah. yeah I mean, Unless you're starting work. out and you really want to grind hard, then go for it. But yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, work will consume you all encompassing, you know, like it's, it's, it, if you really care about it, it will eat up everything you have, but yeah, it, it depends on what you want in life. If you want a wife and kids or a husband and kids or whatever it is, then yeah, you have to shift your perspective and, and understand your goals. I guess it's important to understand your goals and reassess. It sounds like you probably have a nice little social network of people that you know, that you can bounce things off of as well to help you align. Is that true? Oh yeah. Like I think it's, well not like, Oh yeah. Like it, I do have that amount of people. I don't like it's, I think like what I felt really strongly about was feedback loops and being able to really, uh, I mean to a certain degree where you're like sending people things and getting their thoughts on it and kind of, picking apart people's process and take, again, taking what you like and what you don't like and, and building something from yourself. Because like I'm talking about this post-it wall and it might be really bureaucratic for some, right? Like artists don't function that way. <laughs> like, like in terms of can, organize you everything you can, you can totally, but like comparing myself and, and my wife, Michelle, I'm very organized. Like everything has to be a certain way before I can jump on a project or like start something. But uh, Michelle is thrives in being able to, uh, go with the flow, I guess is a good way of putting it because like she, uh, can only work when things are 
in disarray, if that makes sense. I don't know. That's not like the most romantic way of putting it, but it's just like very, yeah. Yeah. Like I think, and and that's really admirable. Like I wish I could just work like that and be more uh, organic for lack of a better term and uh, malleable. So yeah, like I I think you've got to be able to, to take what works for you and build your own personal project of building yourself up from that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Man, I'm having a lot of fun talking with you there. We can go on for hours. I'd love to do another episode with you. I know I have to go now, but it would be really great to have you come back on the show and we can just dive deeper into these. Like, I feel like we just scratched the surface. Like, I know that um, we get quite a bit of compliments from people, our, our comments from like, oh, when you do like when I do like long episodes, people get pissed and some people go like when I do the short ones. So it's like it's really hard to find the good balance between them. But um, there's so much chemistry happening. There's so much stuff to talk about. I feel like um, it would be awesome if we did like a version two of this. Maybe even get Jorge on. It'd be a lot of fun to kind oh, of talk man. about. You have know, you the, done? Have you done an episode that's like three people? I mean, yeah, I have. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I did one with um, actually four people. It was a uh, G Monk, um, uh, Beeple, and uh, Albert Omos, and we just had like a crazy. Oh, we're due for another one to come up here soon. Oh so, shit! Yeah, that's, that, that yeah, was a lot of that, fun. So those yeah. are like really interesting, and it's almost like it'd be really cool to set up like people who are somewhat polar opposites, just to yes. kind of like see yeah. how like how people are, uh, how open people are <laughs> to other sure. ideas, and just because then it provides everybody's playing devil devil's advocate to someone else yeah. right so there's always going to be something to learn from those things so yeah man like count me in sure for, for any one of those yeah, that'd be uh, awesome if you can think of somebody that would be polar o- opposite to you and to bring on that'd be really cool that'd be a lot of fun yeah. to see kind of maybe it's like a complete cgi generalist or something like that or something i don't know and just a different oh, yeah. approach you know so yeah. um but yeah something would be fun but thank you so much i appreciate you you know sharing some time with me and and coming on the show and um, yeah, just thanks again for your time and looking forward to well, doing, thank you, man. doing another yeah. one in your future. And that concludes this week's episode. Big thank you to Andrew for coming on the show and sharing his time with us this week. You can find links to the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 166, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. Go out there, be powerful, be prolific. Have an amazing day, everybody. Bye.